I still have the passion for real estate, for the passive income. I love the tax strategy from owning real estate, mm -hmm. but I didn't realize owning that many single family homes was not gonna give me the financial freedom that I was looking for. Are you ready to transform your life? This is a no-nonsense show helping immigrants like you create generational wealth, even while working full-time. Get ready to take notes. Here's your host, Socket Jane. Welcome everyone to the show. Today's guest is a very good friend of mine, Willie Waba. Willie is from California. He is a syndicator as well and has tons of deals. He's actually an interesting guest that I thought will add a lot of value to me and my listeners because he is still employed full-time or part-time. We'll ask Willie that question and he'll give us a little bit more insight into that. But he's also finding his own deal act, uh, investing passively. So it'll be interesting to see what his stories are, what his approach is. Willie, welcome, my friend. How are you? Good. How are you? Good, man. Thanks for taking the time. It's been a while since we've seen each other. But always good to talk to you. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Are you, are you in California today or you're talking to us from somewhere else? I'm in San Diego, California. Oh, my God. One of the best places to be. One <laughs> of the, I don't think you're ever moving out of there, are you? Yeah. Uh, it's hard to justify that, actually. Yeah. No, I, I'm with you. So, Willie, I know you are the man who does not need much introductions in the circles you run. You're one of the amazing guys that I've met before. But for our listeners who may not know you, could you give us a quick introduction and how you got into what you do? Sure. Uh, so my name is Willy Waba. I actually migrated from Egypt uh, when I was 20 years old to finish or go to school, study engineering in the United States. And I went to New Jersey Institute of Technology, got an engineering degree and started working for a startup and kept going from one place to the other working on uh, space and aerospace industry right now. And I always had a passion for real estate. So I always tried to do this on the side by investing in single family homes. And, you know, over time, I managed to grow my portfolio to have a 50 single family homes at one point it was mostly, you know, fix and flip, longer term, like uh, rental hold. And eventually I got tired of it. I got distracted. I couldn't really do it anymore. So I started selling them all. And I said, I'm done with real estate. I cannot continue anymore. I think I just gonna focus on being in my job because it was gonna be very hard to scale from just owning and 50 single family home in different states actually. Wow, Willie, that is amazing. That is, I didn't realize you had 50 homes under your portfolios at some point. And I didn't even realize they were in different states. They were. You don't play, you don't play small. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. So uh, let's take a step back. There's a lot of things we need to delve deeper in the statements that you've made. But let's, let's first remind our listeners, I try to do that every single time we have an episode, which is the name of our show is Migrate to Wealth right? The most important word, as you all know, is not wealth. Uh, it's migrate because migrate is our transformation mindset, right? That we're looking to, we're intentionally creating a change in our life. So really with that theme and the background that you just shared with us, help us understand your mindset of shifting from your W-2 job to trying to build a passive income stream, which ended up being inactive, I, I realized, because fix and flip is not necessarily passive. It's a lot of work. It's essentially having a job on top of another job. So help us help us understand what 
mindset were you in at that point uh, when you decided that you need to do something different to create multiple sources of income? Yeah, so I have to give a little bit of my background. When I came here to go to school, I was a very poor student. I made my way through school by working full time and going to school full time. And I worked all night and I actually went to school in the morning. So I used to sleep in traffic lights and people would wake me up because that's probably like oh. I, I had the bribe of sleep. I couldn't get enough sleep like for the whole time I was going to college. So it was a tough time. And, and in my, my idea, like working very like I work in a restaurant, coffee shop. I did it all to be able to send myself through school. And, you know, at this point I was like a foreign student. So I was being out of state, which is my tuition was in some cases twice and four times as much as someone resident in the state. And I didn't have any support from my family. So to me, it looked like, okay, once I get my degree, once I have my job, once I have my engineering job, well, I made it, right? Yeah. I'm done. Like, I'm well off. I, I get to drive this brand new car. I get to buy this brand new house. Right. And, you know, I'm just all set for life. And to find out that was not any different, it, I was still trapped in a rat race. And by the time that I got my job and my I started making better money but my expenses had increased and i wasn't better off at the end of the month by any means i still was hard to make things meet and you know was expanding my lifestyle was impossible then it hit me the most when i had my first kid right so i had my first daughter and now my wife and i were living in a small town homes and we were actually house hacking at this point. We were having a roommate to be able to afford to, to get by. Yeah. I, I'm an engineer. My wife was going to school full time. And then now we needed the townhouse by ourselves. But we realized because my wife was still going to school that we have to move to be closer to my mother-in-law to get some kids help. We were living in Denver back then and got to be able to afford the neighborhood and the bigger house. That means that we needed to have a bigger paycheck. And and I'm like, okay, so what do I need to do <laughs> to, to expand my paycheck? So I start thinking outside the box, trying to figure out different things. Mm -hmm. But I can tell you that by the time we moved in, I realized we bought the house. We said, maybe we need to keep that single family homes instead of selling it. We can keep it, rent it out, and from four or five hundred dollars extra, the difference between how much we can rent it for and our mortgage at that mm -hmm. time, we can make a little bit of a passive income. And we did this once, and I think the light bulb comes in, and I think if I go yeah. buy enough single-family homes and do this, maybe by acquiring those little, you know, rental portfolio. I can have extra income to be able to expand my lifestyle. And that's how the whole thing started. But that's just due to the fact you, you have a family that's expanding, you're having kids, now your kids, you need to be in a certain neighborhood, in a certain school. And that's what really forced us to kind of try to figure out how can we make extra income to supplement our lifestyle. I love that story, Willie. You know, your story is so similar to a lot of immigrant stories. Right. All of us, including me, we left a country or a place or family behind to move to a new country, to a new place in search for a better opportunity. And then at some point in our lives, it hit us 
that is it really a better opportunity? Because what you're doing at that point may, may be better than what you had thought, but it's not, it's not letting you live the life that you were planning no. to be live, right? Absolutely. And that's an interesting, that, and thank you for sharing that. I know it was probably hard to go back to those times, and I could just see in your eyes you're emotionally already there. Thank you for being open to sharing that story. So in that story, if you stay with that story for a few more minutes, right? So you took a very different approach than most people would take, right? You took an approach of, I have an expanding family instead of reducing my expenses because there's only two, you know, when you're spending money and earning money, there's only two pieces of it. Either you can make more or you can spend less. There's only two approaches. There's really nothing else left, right? And you were already down to all the expenses that you can reduce, I believe. I'm sure you have taken more cuts in other things, but at that point, you would ask the question, why am I working so hard? But you took an interesting approach of, let me expand my income instead of going finding how to reduce my expenses. That's a very interesting approach. How were you thinking about that? I'll be honest, there was nothing to cut and my wife was still going to school. But I even even while we were doing this, I, I'm not going to lie, I actually went and I, I was doing banquet on the side as I was an engineer in the morning and I was working on a weekend and at night, like as a part-time doing banquet job in, in a five-star hotels, like I needed all the money I can get at this point right. to survive. So while I was having, I was a single income, my wife was going full-time to school and I had a kid. And at this point between my rental, which is, wasn't bringing enough, we still didn't have enough to get by. And I had to go take a banquet uh, job because at that time, I was working for a startup, and that was during the startup bust. So oh. the promise was my salary was not that huge as I was getting a lot of my compensation and the stock options. Correct. And my stock kept going lower until we were one of the startups where my stock actually got kicked out of the NASDAQ eventually. So my stock option did not worth anything. So. Oh. I'm sorry I completed my life in this company for a few years, hoping that between the stock option and my stock, I've uh, been able to exercise that one day, but that never ever happened to me. So I end up just leaving and changing job after that and working for a real company instead. Yeah, so, no, I think really, again, thank you for thank you for reliving those moments with us. I can see myself in those, those stories, right? All of us can see in those story that story because... We've all had the high hopes and high dreams of doing something. And somehow, like for me, I got laid off. I wasn't planning to get laid off. You were not planning your stock to go be kicked out of the NASDAQ. Like I'm sure everyone else has an element, a trigger where they were not planning to, but life happened to them, right? Like in your case now, so now you are from that journey, you found real estate. Now, how did you grow from one single family which happened to be not giving you a lot of money from there, three, four, four hundred dollars an extra month. That's without any expenses and all. That was just looking at the mortgage. But I'm pretty sure when you look at the net net, it was not a lot of cash flow. So how did you plan from going from there to 50 homes? Initially, it was accidental. So, so because of the changing of the job, like the startup went past and now I have to change jobs. So I went and I looked for a job and my wife graduated, got a job. So we had to find another place where we can split the distance we had mm -hmm. to move so now i moved from my first one now i actually moved from my second house and we had a house that we actually the second house were rented as well so we right. now we have a second house now then later on we actually found that we were still struggling with the kids so we have to move back to uh another time being my mother-in-law moved 
And we said, okay, maybe we'll move another time and right. figure out how to can be close by and get help with because now we have two kids. So we moved one more time. So we end up owning three single family homes plus the one we were living in. And at this point, we had three rental and we were living and both of my wife and I were working, living the forest. And then eventually we're presented with an opportunity to go out of state and get a job in California, which is the same job that I have right and now. At that time, you were still in Denver, correct? Before yeah, that job. At, at that time, I was still in Denver. So I moved one last time and I kept my four rentals. And then it was 2008, and that's when all the crash in the real estate happened. But I hold through this because at that point, my, my rental was covering the mortgage and yeah. Yeah, the other prices were going down. But what happened is later on, 2013, the real estate had rebound. And I actually, during that time, I added a few more real estate. I bought one in California, I bought one in Florida, and I bought during the crash. And uh, I bought actually two in California, one in Marietta area and one in like San Diego area. Mm -hmm. So we had like six or seven houses. So after that, after the real estate rebound, we listed our homes for sale and we did a 1031 exchange. And we took all that money and we leveraged that money again to go out of state and buy cheaper rental, mm -hmm. like within a smaller city, because we like 3x our money, like in some of those rentals. So we took that whole entire money and we split it among many houses and we were buying, we were leveraging and buying homes, putting the minimum we can and buying from a wholesaler, fix our rehab and refinance. So in some cases, by doing that really quickly, we were able to get most of our money back. So we, mm -hmm. we can buy the house, fix it and flip it and refinance it for how much we wait for. Right. And basically took all of our money back to rinse or repeat. You know what I mean? And that's how we start expanding the portfolio. Oh my God, so, Willie. You, so you just don't give up. Money. That's awesome. Yeah. So taking that money and then start like doing the fix and rehab and right. repeat and take all the money back after your finance and keep expanding that portfolio to grow it up. That's amazing. So I'll, I'll take a quick pause on there because there's a few terms that you use. Let me just explain to the listeners to make sure that uh, we have a no investor left behind philosophy. So uh, 1031 is essentially, and we'll, we'll do a complete video on that as well. Um, I'll bring another expert, tax expert for that, but it's essentially a strategy to defer your taxes. When you buy, when you sell a real estate, especially an investment property, you could buy another property to defer your taxes. So that's a 1031, much deeper topic, um, but at a high level, that's what it is. And fix and flip, um, not everyone may be familiar for that term. That essentially means you buy a property, you buy a single family apartment or whatever, and you, as the term sounds, you fix it which essentially means you upgrade it, you add more value to it, and then you flip it to another investor or retail buyer or whoever, right? So the plan is to hold it for a very short time and you buy it for, let's say, 100K, you put in 100K worth of improvement, you sell it for four or 500K. That's the goal. Numbers are really only, as an example, the number is different, the profit margin is different. But that's exactly what Willie was talking about when he said that he took his money from his existing properties, sold it 1031 into some of the other properties that he was able to fix flip uh, as well. And that's how he was able to generate, multiply his money faster. So really that comes with multiplication of your money. 
What about the cash flow, right? Fix and flip is a short-term hold. You put in 100K, you make it 50K, 100K, 200K on top of it. But what about your real challenge of having the cash flow? Yeah, when I say the fix and flip, I meant by the flip word is a little, it's called bar strategy. I didn't want to use that BRRR, which is buy, rehab, rent, refinance. But basically what I meant by flipping is I was flipping it back to refinance it. So I was buying them from wholesaler, uh, distress seller, and I would fix the house and make it rent ready and go rent it out and go to the bank and say, now this house worth a lot more than what I paid for. I need you to refinance it. So in most of the cases, I would say uh, buy the house for $80,000. I'll pay $20,000 to fix it. Mm-hmm. And then when I go to the bank and I say, then I rent it for like, say, $1,000 a month. Mm-hmm. And I go to the bank and the bank would get it appraised at $125,000, for Got example. It. So in this case, you know, he can loan me up to 70% or 75% or 80% of what I pay. But, but in most of the cases, I was restricted because it was a short period of time to take 100% of what I invested back, but I cannot take any more penny out right. of it. So if I had invested totally between the rehab and the initial purchase was like $100,000, $80,000, that's all I can get back. Got it. But that's fine because at this point, I own a house that generates a little bit of income, like cash flow, but in reality, I have no capital. In Your cost house. base is zero. Right. Zero, at basically. that point, once you refinance it, it's pretty much zero. It's so, very much zero. So it's, it's, an, it's an amazing strategy, really, right? So I love that strategy. And that's what you use to grow your portfolio to 50. But let's talk about the flip side of that strategy, right? Because yeah. um, especially with you having a full-time job and owning these properties in San Diego, I don't think the property values are at a point in San Diego where you could do this model. So you had to leave San Diego and find somewhere else, right? That's why I did most of my investment out of state. They were mostly in Dallas, Texas, and uh, they were in Indianapolis and Kansas City and and in some cases Florida. And and as you can see, like having a bigger portfolio, and I was trying to manage this over, you know, the phone, like trusting contractor, but but people were cutting corners all the time. And, and, And honestly, what I learned afterwards that the quality of the rehab wasn't as good as I anticipated because I tried to do this over a distance and Mm -hmm. that did not work very well. And so basically I found out that by doing a lot of out of state investment, that the rehab quality wasn't as I initially anticipated. Uh, The contract was trying to cut corners, Uh, you know, property management is the profit center. They, They were after their own best interest by maximizing your expenses and, and mm-hmm. to, to make more profit. And in some cases, there was a little bit of tricky businesses, uh, which is some repairs uh, or invoices that not always that invoices that was performed in your property and right. was hard to track and keep track of it. So if you imagine if you spend all your night reading different you know reports from different property management and you're trying to justify every little expenses even though i said that my basis were zero in some of their homes i found out that after actually my first tenant moved out or 
they moved in. I found out that I was getting hit with a lot of expenses. Right. AC is going out, you know, uh, all of a sudden, like plumbing issues, leaks, you know, in a lot of cases, when you rely on the property management, the cost is not really contained. And for whatever reason, it kept always happening to me on a Saturday and Sunday where I have to wear an arm and leg to get somebody <laughs> to fix this plumbing of course, and right. AC in the middle of the summer in Texas. So it was always expensive repairs. So here I am thinking I'm making cash flow, but I found out that my cash flow would get wiped out in one AC call or one plumbing right. call, plus all the headache and how I was trying to make sure that I stay profitable. But, you know, later on, the debt start tanking and I start losing money as the tenant moves out. And some of those tenants were not quality tenants either. Mm-hmm. So they either damaged the house or ruined the carpets. And, and by the time they do this, I found that I have to pay more money than my cash flow to refix the place, make ready, and put another tenant in. So you do this twice or three times, and you Everything figure out, oh my God, I'm losing yeah. money here. Yeah, You know what I mean? What, what, what am I doing wrong? Correct. Let's go to the next question, which is very logical. I think you teed it up for me very well. So what were you doing wrong? How did you fix it? So I sold all the houses and started selling them. I said, I'm <laughs> done amazing. with the game. Yeah. I said initially, and I was looking for better ways to, I still have the passion for real estate for the passive income. I love the tax strategy from owning real estate, mm-hmm. but I didn't realize owning that many single family homes was not going to give me the financial freedom that I was right. looking for. So I start. Now that my tenant moves out, I fix the place, I sold it, and I'm done. I'm not doing anything. And I stopped doing even, I was like, at this point, I'm going to pay my share fare of taxes, Yeah, and I'm good. But in the meantime, I was spending a lot of time on a website called biggerpockets.com, mm-hmm. trying to read and educate myself for better alternative methods. And I'll be honest, when I had that much money after I sold my single family homes, I was looking for a multifamily investment to break sure. in. And, and where, I uh, let me quickly pause there, really. What made you think about multifamily? Help us with that process. You know, the whole idea, after you figure out you are scattered to own 50 houses, you scatter all over the place, and it's just so hard. So my whole simple idea is like, how can I take this 50 door, put it under one roof, Right. And have one property management that responsible for it that can work for you. You can just go and visit that place as many times as you want. Right. You keep your eyes on it. And basically just and instead of just being scattered all over, it's just having everything under one roof that you can have one focus on the whole entire portfolio in mm-hmm. one place instead of being in different state at different time zone, etc. Correct. Correct, correct. So I think I think I love that. So what role did Bigger Pocket play in that for you? So so I was trying to figure out how because when when I, when I tried to do the multifamily and I did read a lot of books and on, on Bigger Pocket and I thought I knew what I was doing, but I would go to the broker and I would bid on those deals and I was underwriting them using some spreadsheet that I would find online. But but I would never win any deals. I, mm-hmm. I couldn't win. A single deal. I, I tried and try, I tried and then I gave up and I start really selling my portfolio. I said, I'm done with the real estate game. 
then I found out about a mentorship or like some kind of conferences on real estate. And I went to the conference and I tried to get myself educated on multifamily. Mm-hmm. And that was a life changing for me, to be honest. How did that change your life? It's kind of like, you know, so at this point, let's just recap, right? So you sold your portfolio now. You were thinking you were done with the multifamily game because you were not winning any of the multifamily deals because no one would mm-hmm. even, you may bid on a lot of stuff, but nothing was working out. So you were in that moment where it was probably the last straw on the camel's back that if it's not, I'm going to do one more thing. And if it doesn't work, I'm done, right? So yeah, help us understand I, 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 that. So I went there and, and I just listened to the guru speaking about multifamily and and his mentorship and how he can help everybody. But but be honest, I'm, I'm an engineer, so I'm always skeptical about listening to those people and try to sell me on a dream. That, that doesn't go well with me yeah. at all. I mean, you cannot convince me, like, you cannot draw this nice getting rich picture and I will fall yeah. for it. It's not going to be me. But what happened is during lunch, I was meeting all these people like me and you, and they were, in the, we were eating lunch together and hearing them speaking about how they started doing this and now they own one deal or two deal or they passively invested in multiple deals and how their cash on cash is like 10% and they don't have to do any work. And right. and I'm like, man, that's what I need. <laughs> I want that's that. Yeah. My money. I don't want to deal with them and I don't want to deal with my property management. I'm just going to find those people that do those deals and I'm just going to invest passively with them given them and I'm going to get my 10% cash on cash. And, you know, I looked at how much money I have in the bank and by percent is that's perfect. That passive yeah. income. And it seems so good to be true, but you know what, what makes it true that you talk to a lot of people and, and you can tell it. I mean, you cannot just pay enough people to have them all under one roof and they would have all this different story of course, that will of back course. each other up. And to me, to have that in one place and being able to see that, you know, I was like, you know what? I'm just going to go ahead and participate. And first first night I went, called my wife. I was like, I found this. I want to have access to this group. So I want to be part of it. And my sole goal is just to invest passively right. and just really, really do this for you know for a living or or being able to grow our money this way and i learned about the tax advantage and at this point my wife was a real estate professional i still had my full time so i know about all this taxes advantage Mm -hmm. of being able to offset my own income by doing this the paper losses or the cost segregation which is probably some term that we have to explain but but in reality that's how i started doing it passively invested in multifamily and that was a life-changing no again again your path is like a perfect path for somebody who came from i can do it all by myself who and he did it himself about Mm -hmm. uh, beyond all the challenges and roadblocks that you faced but then really quickly realized that there's another way of leveraging other people's time and their their effort and everything else and still probably exceed the returns you were getting from your own portfolio, really zero work. I think the only decision you had to make was which deal to invest in. Once that decision was made, you didn't have to make any single decision from that until your money was returned. Is that correct? That's correct. I'll be honest. I was a victim of my own... (laughs) 
<laughs> you know, eager to invest first because I wanted, I was complaining because I had all this money and I was complaining that I was not getting enough deal mm -hmm. or access to enough deal because it takes time for people to know you and of start course. adding right. you to their database. And I, I was asking, asking for recommendation because to me it's like, I want to deploy that much money as fast as I can right. because to me, like, oh, it means that I start like earlier getting 8% or 10% right. cash cash and, you know, that will accelerate my net worth faster and can, you know, double or triple my, my net worth. So I was, I was hunting syndicator, honestly, right. for deals because I was not getting enough deals initially to deploy my money fast enough. And let me help us understand, right? So I think uh, everyone has gone that gone through that journey of trying to build that ecosystem, the network. Now there's two ways to look at this problem, really, right? And, and I'm sure you'll appreciate that because you've lived it. I know you have. As in you reaching out to syndicators and just putting in any syndicator deal versus you building a short list of syndicators you like and then doing your due diligence and then trying to figure out where to deploy. How did you yeah. go through that process? So that was the pain. I was looking for any syndicator and I didn't know what I didn't know. So I actually end up maybe high side 80, 20, 20% of my passive investment wasn't in the right places. Okay. And this is, was me not knowing. I thought any multifamily will do well. Mm -hmm. Then I started learning about, okay, different. then I started developing my own criteria. It came after time because... I started meeting people that was in the same situation that I am. And right. we actually created very unique process. So we got together and a lot of us had invested in thousands and thousands of dollars. Mm -hmm. And we, at this point, we've been a year into this investment, passive investment. And we can see that some of our deal had exceeded the pro forma sure. or exceeded the projection, initial projection. And some of it were did not meet the initial mm -hmm. projection. Some of it or met it and some of it were really struggling. And we said, okay, we're only going to look for a process to map this and try to learn right. why some of our investments succeeded and mm -hmm. why some of our investment failed. Right. And we start really looking at everything from like, median income where we invested what was the crime rate mm -hmm. what was the so the location what was the demographic max uh what the class of the asset we invested in mm -hmm. and we put those criteria and start looking at why we start really coming out from the other side learning why some of them succeeded why some of them failed so now we had it in black and white our investment yeah. criteria moving forward. So now it's really, really easy for us or for me to see an investment and decide. And sometimes as indicators themselves, I'm not mm -hmm. going to deny this because yeah. some of them are more sophisticated as a horse or the jockey. And some of the time it's like who leading the investment can have an impact of the outcome because right. sophistication and their experience definitely help the deal. So their track record is very important, mm -hmm. but in a lot of cases was mostly it was 80% really the location, the demographic, the median income, where the deal was at, and the location of the deal. So we, once we know that, we kind of like, wow, now we have our secret sauce right. of how can we 
be very successful in the future. That's awesome, Willie. Again, a ton of nuggets in there. Um, I don't think we'll have the time to go deep in every single thing here, but I do want to talk. So now, fast forward from then to now, right? Now you are, you still have a job. You have passed, you have no single family portfolio. You've got rid of all your single family portfolio. <laughs> you got into passive investments predominantly, but I know for a fact you now do your own syndications as well. So help us understand that journey when you were trying to get your time back and not be active, you went all passive. What made you decide to move back into being active? How much money I made in passive income. <laughs> There you go. So when my deal starts selling and I found out some of my deal was doubling in a couple of years, like I would do a hundred thousand and, you know, two, three years later, I got between the cash flow, between selling the deal. And I'm like, my God, I'm just double my income. And I'm like, okay, well, if I'm doubling my income as a passive, what about start really looking? Because now I learned all about it, reading the report, learned mm -hmm. all about the multifamily. Now I said, okay, I gotta go start buying my own deals. Right. Because I, hey, I'm greedy. I, I want to multiply my <laughs> money faster. Of course. I have secret sauce for it now. So I start really buying my own deals with a couple of partner and which is like a joint venture. And now I took most of my money and deployed into buying my own deal. So mm -hmm. I invested passively for the, and I still invest passively, by the way, in, in the right deals because I cannot buy them all and I cannot, cannot. find all the yeah. deals out there. So when, whenever someone that I know have a good deal and I can spot them right now, I can see it. And I like, I would just run to them. It's like, please take my money. I want to invest in this deal because I right. know this deal will do well. It's not something I bought, but at this price, at this location, at this, you know, asset class, they will do well. I mm -hmm. can spot this and I would invest passively, but I also do my own deals like the joint venture in a very small group, two, three, four people sometimes. And we can still use the same strategy as we did in the 1031, right. which is buy, rehab, fix, refinance, get most of our money back in some cases to repeat and take that money and take it to the next deal. Mm -hmm. And we had done this multiple times where we actually, now that we are using the 1031 exchange that we explained and we're using the deferred taxes to be able to buy bigger and bigger and bigger deals. So our first deal was four million dollar we exit that deal and we bought a 14 million dollar deal that's with, amazing with actually with money left over to return to double the return of our initial capital Great. so we own that 14 million dollar for zero money, zero right? yeah zero money absolutely and we still have money left over from our 1031 exchange to invest it even in more deals then after i looked back and and this was a wake-up call honestly and from one deal mm -hmm. and that we did as a joint venture and with just a little bit of money invested, wasn't that much money. And I looked at how much money I made from that deal and I compare that amount, which was actually 5.6 times our initial capital. And that was- 5.6X, that's amazing. Yeah, that was in 21 months exactly. Right. And I looked at this and I looked at the amount of money I made And I looked at my 401k after working 22, 23 years in my right. engineering jobs. And I compared the two number and I was shocked. Oh, I can So imagine. here I am, yeah. 
21 months later, I made a lot more money than I have in my 401k. What were I was thinking, right? That yeah. Just into a job without doing or trying this on the side. And, you know, at this point, I said, okay, I'll be so greedy not to share this with many friends and family. So one of my partner and myself, Kevin and myself, we started our own syndication because we both were in that deal and we both mm-hmm. made that much money. And we both looked at it and say, God, we got to help as many people as right. we can. You know, there is a lot of, you're doing a great job trying to reach as many people through your podcast, but not everybody going to listen to your podcast. And sometimes we know our friends and family, unless people are looking for something or some nuggets out there on online, sometimes it's hard to know about the multifamily. So our goals is to, you know what, we're just going to start this and we're just going to tell our story and we're going to try to share it with as many friends and families. And that was primarily why we started syndicating deals to to invite as many, like my mother-in-law, my friends, awesome. from, my people that we know that you want to come and invest along our side. And our sole goal is to really help them out, discover this great opportunity mm-hmm. without any even second thought about anything else. I mean, we invest alongside, we're still putting our money and our syndication a lot of it as well because we still controlling the deals and we we understand the outcome but now we open this to more people to invest along our side to be our partner so we can all grow together i love that part really so you know i think as you were saying that not one platform can reach everybody mm-hmm. right i'm sure there are people like us not i sure i know there are people like us there are a lot of syndicators that we both love that we both know and they're all mm-hmm. doing an amazing job because I guess I asked the question, there's so many syndicators, is there a low barrier to entry? It's not about a barrier to entry. It's because there's over $4 trillion money stuck in 401ks, right? Mm-hmm. And to your point about there's a lot of people who need a wake-up call, right? In a, in a gentler way uh, where, you know, but there is another opportunity. We're not, we're, I'm not the one to propose leave everything, liquidate your entire 401k. That's up to you. I mean, the listen to the listeners. But there is a way to exceed your investment returns if you go outside of 401k or keep it within 401k or IRAs and still invest in syndications. You can still do that. There are ways to do that and we'll do more episodes on doing that, but have an open mind towards investments that are outside of the stock market because essentially what's happening with the stock market is you are victim of market, right? You have no control. You think you have control. You think you can pull your money out. But most of the time when you're pulling your money out, the market is down, right? So it's never up. When you, when you pull your money out, chances are market is not going to be up. Yeah. Go, going back to my startup days and waiting to exercise my stock option and see it going see lower it and lower and lower. Going lower, down. lower. Yeah. It yeah, hurts. I have all the stock options and every time I get it under the market, but by the time I, I need to exercise it is the stock worth nothing, you know. Correct. I never made any I mean money in the stock market. And the other caveat too, like you don't need to wait until you're retired in mm-hmm. your 401k and or investing in the stock to be able to start selling and make profit. Correct. And yes, I know the market average 10, 12 percent over time. And what I'm saying, I'm not saying every deal is going to make 5.6, 
your money or gonna multiply or gonna triple in 21 months. But what I'm saying is there is a lot of ways to diverse your portfolio, your investment. And also you don't have to wait until you're 65 years old mm-hmm. or retired to start making cash flow. You don't have to wait for that. Great. You, Great. you can start now and that can help you basically grow, get you more out of life, being able to expand your lifestyle, take that extra vacation, send the kids to private school, you know, afford to send your kid to a good college and pay for her expense or his expense. That's definitely things that we enjoy right now that I don't know if it was just only my job, what would we do? And how would would we be able to do this? Oh, thank you. Thank you, Billy. This is a great story. We're going to switch gears here, right? So first of all, great story. Thanks for sharing your insights. Always, um, you always add value to me. I always get inspired after uh, talking to you. I'm going to go buy some apartments tomorrow. Uh, (laughs) So help us understand where can our listeners find you? Yeah, so we, our syndication company is called GrowAbility Equity, as one word, GrowAbilityEquity.com. So you can go to our website and subscribe to our investment club so you can get our newsletter, our emails. We have a lot of material on our website, so you're welcome to get yourself educated and read more about like the syndication world, the apartment world, the uh, the commercial investment world and, and get more from our website. Love that, Willie. Approach everything from the education front. I love that. You can find Willie and his team at growabilityequity.com. Growabilityequity.com. Uh, if you didn't get a chance to note it down, do not worry. It'll be included in the show notes. Uh, Willie, let's switch gears here. So you have a lot of wisdom, right? I mean, life has not been easy on you, but you've kicked it very hard. So, which is amazing. If you were to give any insights to your 20-year-old self going back in time to make sure that they can migrate in life in more intentionally and more successfully, what would that be? You know, it would be not to be afraid to try different things. That would be the most important things. Like life doesn't come in one color, in one way. There is so much to learn School prepares you very well, but it's not enough. Read as much books, as many books as you can early on. Try to get yourself educated. And the most of it, you know, we all love and learn different things and love different ways. So if you love the stock market and you want to learn as much as you you want to learn about stock and you want to invest in stock, please get yourself educated. Go, go ahead and invest the time. Get some mentorship. Try to educate early before you start investing your money. The problem, like I see, like a lot of people, stock market is not a gambling and, and real estate is definitely not for everyone. But but if you have a passion for something, go ahead and get education on it and spend time and effort to learn it very well. And that should take care of everything else after that. Awesome, Billy. Again, thank you. Could not agree more on that insight, right? Kind of like stay open, stay curious, stay a student forever and keep expanding your own um, mindset. We have, we have limitless capability to absorb information and knowledge. You just got to look for it. And there are people who are willing to share it. Um, Absolutely. You know, it's, it's, you just got to ask. I think most mm-hmm. of us sometimes don't ask because we don't want to look stupid. I, I would say, I think I would just add to that point is be okay. Oh, be okay being stupid. 
it's okay. That will not last for too long, right? So, uh, Willie, let's take a broader perspective now, right? Uh, we talked about your story, your life's mission, sort of your uh, inspiration to, if you were to go back several years in your life, let's go forward, right? And let's take a broader perspective on humanity in general. What would your desire or wish for the humanity to migrate towards? You know, a uh, peaceful world for sure. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there is enough resources for everyone. So I think we all have to strive to succeed. So I think we need to be less relying on government and system to take care of us. And I think we all have to trust our capability, our interest, and make sure that we can provide for ourselves. Like if we go back to the basics and we all strive to take care of ourselves and our family and strive in the world, we're going to make the world a much better place one day. Awesome. And on that high note, I want to thank you for being on this show. Really appreciate it. Once again, you can find Willie on growabilityequity.com. The link will be included uh, in the show notes below. Thank you again for tuning in. This is your host, Saki Jane. Be well. Thank you. If you got value from this episode, you might consider sharing this content with a friend. But most importantly, be sure to take action on what you've learned. One way you can take the next step is to connect directly with Socket on an investor call. That link is waiting for you in the show notes below. The content of this podcast is for informational purposes only. Please consult your own advisors when making any investment decisions. Keep listening. We'll see you on the next episode.